This morning, we are going to zero in on this day that we're celebrating, Father's Day, uh, with a passage that I believe challenges fathers, I believe it challenges parents in general, but I think it challenges children as well. So we'll be in the passage that Pastor Dave just read for us. So if you're not there already, I'd encourage you to turn there and keep open Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, as that's going to be our passage this morning, and we're going to be working our way through it. It'll be helpful for you to have it open. So the book of Proverbs is often gone to on one of these days that we celebrate our parents, but at least from my experience, or just even what I would expect, I'd expect us to go to the book of Proverbs on Mother's Day. Proverbs 31, the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, speaks of a godly woman, speaks of a godly mother. Okay, that's a no-brainer to go to the book of Proverbs on Mother's Day, but to go to the book of, book of Proverbs on Father's Day might not be as obvious or maybe not as familiar to us. So, this is interesting because there are actually an overwhelming amount of passages that address fathers, that address their children uh, in the book of Proverbs. When you think about the book of Proverbs, what is found within the book of Proverbs, possibly what comes to mind is short, pithy sayings, two-line verses that deal with wisdom, that are loaded with insight. And the passage that we're going to look at today belongs to a set of chapters, a set of passages that are a little bit different than the rest of the book of Proverbs. So the first nine chapters, that's what our uh, passage chapter four is found within, belongs or is a section. The first nine chapters is a section um, that's a little different from the rest of the book of Proverbs. These are longer passages as, as opposed to these short, pithy sayings. Some of the passages personify wisdom and folly. They speak of them as ladies to show the outcome of following the wise way or the foolish way. But the other types of passages, and this is the type of passage we're going to look at this morning together, I'm going to call father-son passages. The format of a father, or the format is of a father speaking to his son. It makes us think of the picture of a father intentionally sitting down with his son and teaching him and instructing him, maybe working on a project together and teaching him a principle or a lesson, maybe in our day and age, driving in the car together and the father giving his son practical advice or counsel on a difficult situation that they're going through. So there are many of these passages in the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, and I want to just show us a few so that you can see this theme through the book of Proverbs. So if you'd turn from chapter 4 and go to chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, we see this, the very first father-son passage. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Just flip a chapter over, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. We get another one in chapter 6. So a couple chapters over. Chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. 
Proverbs 6, 20 through 23 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Another one, Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 4 says, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. And then the last one I'll give us is Proverbs 8, chapter 8, verse 32. It says, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. So there's actually more than that. We can see this theme running all through the first eight chapters of the book of Proverbs. The father teaches his son, and he teaches him some specific things. And we actually didn't read on uh, in these passages to see what these specific things are, but we see that the father in these passages, he addresses certain situations. He addresses certain sins. He addresses and tells his son to watch who he hangs out with. Watch who you follow or who you hang out with in life. He instructs him concerning being lazy. He instructs him concerning sexual purity. He instructs him on not saying words that will cause up trouble. And he even talks to him about trusting in the Lord. Those are all things and even more that this father talks to his son about. So Proverbs chapter 1 through 8, or chapters 1 through 8, presents an example for fathers and how they are to father their children. What it looks like to be a godly father, giving their children wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1 through 8 challenges a father to have difficult conversations, to talk about things that might not be pleasant for both the father or his son, things that might make him a little uncomfortable. But Proverbs 1 through 8 shows the reward. It shows the outcome of such parenting. We could say then from this overview of Proverbs and Proverbs 1 through 8 that the beginning of Proverbs gives us an, a godly example of a father and the end of the book of Proverbs gives us the example of a godly mother. So the book of Proverbs, beginning, middle, and end, is a handbook for parents. An excellent godly handbook for parents. And this morning, I want us to just look at one of these father-son passages. And in so doing, when it speaks of a son, I believe we can also um, extend this to all children, both sons and daughters. And in saying that, at the same time, it's not to take away from the special relationship a father has to his son, as the son is going to possibly be in a similar situation one day as his father. He may become a father. He may become a husband. But I believe we can apply these passages in general to a father speaking to his son, speaking to his daughter, speaking to all children. So our passage is Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. It's one of these father-son passages. And actually within chapter 4 itself, there's actually three of these passages. And ours is actually a more general one. A specific sin isn't talked about. There's not a specific situation going on. But we find in our passage that there are great lessons concerning the legacy a father leaves for his children. So that's our theme for this morning. That's the theme of Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. It's, that, it's lessons concerning the legacy a father leaves his children. 
And when I say this word legacy, maybe things come to mind, but um, the specific definition that I'm dealing with as we think about this word legacy is I'm speaking of something that is passed on from someone who comes before you. Something you receive from a generation before you. As we think about families in specific today, fathers or parents with their children, maybe if you are grown up and you have your own family, maybe there's things that your parents, your grandparents, or even uh, family beyond them that have passed on certain traditions that now as you come to your family, you also have. Maybe it's a family heirloom that's been passed down from the generations. Maybe a piece of jewelry. Maybe a picture that you have that belong to one of your family members before you. Children even think about things you have received from your parents. Maybe you've gotten your parents' high school letter jacket. Maybe they've given you a book. Maybe it's been a piece of wisdom, a piece of advice that they've given to you and counseled you to live by. So as we think about a legacy, specifically the legacy of a father, the, fa the father passing on something to his children, and today, we're thinking especially about instruction. We're thinking about advice, words that you fathers give to your children. So I'll ask the fathers to think about it quick. What legacy have you left your children? What have you passed on to them? What have they learned from you? Has it been good or has it been bad? What would they say if they were asked what legacy their father has left them? Fathers, what is your legacy with your children? So Proverbs 4, 1 through 9 teaches us great lessons concerning the legacy a father leaves his children. And we'll break this passage down into two sections. We'll first look at the teaching that the father gives. And then the second thing we'll look at is the origins of that teaching. We'll look at the teaching the father gives. And then we'll look at the origins of the father's teaching. So first, the teaching of the father. If you look with me at Proverbs 4, Turn back to Proverbs chapter 4, and I'll read verses 1 through 2. That's where we see this teaching of the Father in the first two verses. Proverbs 4, 1 through 2 says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. So here the Father's instruction is spoken about in verse 1. Again, it says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. The word instruction here speaks of correction. It speaks of reproof. It's possibly when their child does something wrong, they make a mistake, they sin, and the father comes alongside them and helps them see what they've done wrong and helps them fix it, helps them live in a different way. That's the idea with this word instruction. Think correction with this word instruction. But we ultimately see the purpose is given in the second line. Again, if you look at verse 1, it says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive. And then it says that you may gain insight. That you may gain insight. The purpose is so that the child can gain insight, can gain understanding, so that they can have discernment, so that they can learn from their mistakes Learn how they've sinned, how they should live differently, and how they should live rightly. This correction then, the instruction that the Father gives, is intentional. It's purposeful. It isn't done out of anger or vengeance. It isn't simply just to punish the child, but it's done to bring about a change in their life, is what this is talking about. This is reiterated in verse 2, when, it's, when the Father says, For I give you good 
precepts. This phrase, good precepts, speaks of being taught the right thing to do. It speaks of the correct, the correct way to live, the way that would be pleasing and honoring to the Lord. So lessons for fathers, from verses 1 through 2. We see that one of the roles of a father is to correct his children when they live in a way that is wrong or sinful. We see here that a father should be willing to do this. A father should be intentional in how he does this. A father shouldn't correct just to punish, but to actually see the child live differently, to show them what they did was wrong and how they should live in a different way, how they can live in a godly way, how they can live in the right way. To do this, it takes the father knowing the right and the godly way for himself, that he knows the word of God and how to live it out. He reads it. He studies it. He sits under the preaching of the word so that he knows what God calls him and his children to do. So the father has a role in correcting in the discipline of his child, but we also see the children have a role, and their role is spoken about here in verses 1 through 2. So in verses 1 through 2, we also get the response, or the child's response, in verses 1 through 2, if you look with me there. It says, Hear, a son, hear O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. So three commands here. First, hear. Then second, be attentive. And then third, he says, do not forsake my teaching. So the children are being talked or talked to here. Or his children are being talked to here. Hear means simply what we'd expect, to listen. Open your ears. When your father speaks, listen. Hear what he has to say. Be attentive means pay attention. And then do not forsake my teaching adds on to hearing and paying attention in that you're not only listening, you're not just hearing words, but you're actually doing what has been said. The phrase or the, the words to hear and to pay attention certainly mean that as well. They mean to listen and to live these things out. But this phrase, do not forsake my teaching, makes it abundantly clear. Do not forsake my teaching literally means don't leave behind my teaching. Don't ditch what I have to say. It means don't forget, don't disobey your father's instruction. Children, you are to do it, you're to follow it, you're to carry out what your dad says. So lessons for children. Children are called here to listen and follow the correction their father gives. Often we as children, when we're corrected, we hate it. We get upset, we ignore it, we fight back, we disagree. But the father here is saying there's great use to it. There's great wisdom in following your father's, ultimately your parents' correction, their instruction and discipline. If they're seeking to do this purposefully and for the right reasons, you can gain great godly wisdom. They aren't just trying to be a killjoy. They aren't just trying to not let you have fun, but they're seeking to help you. They're seeking to look out for you. They're seeking to help you live in the right way. Children, that's how you should look at your parents' instruction and correction. And to stress it one more time, it's not just pretending. It's not just pretending to hear. It's not just pretending to listen to your parents' face and then living in a completely different way when your parents aren't around. But it's actually taking their correction. It's taking their instruction and letting it shape the way you live. So children, God has given you parents to direct you 
and guide you in his ways. This is what we talked about last week as we looked at Psalm 119, 9 through 16. Your parents have been given by God to teach you about him and his ways. And probably often, that will involve correction. Children, if we're honest with ourselves, think about my own childhood. We mess up a lot. We sin a lot. We deserve correction and we need direction. So we see the, the teaching of the Father. Now, second, we look at the origins of the Father's teaching. So we might ask, where did it come from? What this Father is teaching? Is this something he's just conjured up on his own? Is this something he's come up with his, on his own? Is this the way he thinks is best? These are simply his opinions about life. We might ask, where did it originate from? And we see this in the rest of Proverbs 4. 1 through 9, and verses 3 through 9 in specific. The answer to the origins of this teaching is simply that the Father learned it from His Father. The Father learned it from His Father. So it would be the child's grandfather taught His Father these things. If you look with me at Proverbs 4, 3 through 4, it says, When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, He taught me and said to me, so here, quite possibly, David's being referred to as Solomon is often credited with as the author of the book of Proverbs. So in these father-son passages in chapters 1 through 8, this is a topic that hasn't come up yet, of the father passing on what his father has given to him. So we come to a unique passage within these father-son passages. So we see the origins, but we also see under this that the father can relate to his son. If you look with me at Proverbs 4, 3, we see the father relating to his son. It says, when I was a son, so when the father was a son, with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. So the father thinks about, as he's teaching his son, he thinks about it, and he speaks of a time when he was a child. That is what is meant by saying he was tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. He was young, he was inexperienced, is the idea here. The father's thinking about back to his childhood, admitting that he was once young. At one time, he didn't know as much. He made more mistakes. He sinned, was corrected as a child. He made foolish choices. He didn't have as much understanding as he does now. It's huge that he admits this and remembers this. It shows the child that their dad walked in their steps. It shows that he can relate with them. He can feel for them. The father doesn't act like he was never where they once were or where they were at or experienced some of the same things. This would only help the father-child relationship. This could break down barriers. This could break down the feeling that the father is talking down to them. This could break down walls where the child feels that the father acts like he's never messed up at all. So lessons for fathers. Fathers, you can learn from the father's example in this passage to remember your own childhood. Not in, not in a comparing or a contrasting way with your son or daughter, but remembering what it was like to be young. What it felt like, the failures you had and the mistakes you made. Fathers, this should be a challenge to relate to your child. See where they're coming from. Okay, we can all agree that when you relate to someone, maybe you, you realize someone had a similar experience, 
Maybe someone did something that you did, maybe a more weighty issue. You realize someone had maybe a similar diagnosis to you or went through a difficult event like you. We kind of have a connection. We can relate to each other. We know somewhat of how each other felt. And the same thing can go on between a father and their child. When the son or the daughter realizes that their father went through some of the same things they did through their childhood. So fathers, don't forget that you were once children as well. But there's also lessons here for children. Children, remember your parents were once children. It's probably a weird thing to think about, and even at times maybe hard to believe that your father, even your mother, were children at one time. But it's true. Realize they are experienced in being children. They've learned lessons and went through things that you might not have went through yet. Listen to things they've learned. Listen to things they've went through and how they would do them differently. Learn from how they may have been corrected. So we see that the father sets an example in verse 3 of just remembering his childhood. Remembering that he, too, grew up under a father. And there's challenges for both parents and children. So verses 3 have showed us the origin of this teaching. And it also shows us that the father or a father can relate to his children. But now second under these origins of the teaching, we get the substance. We get really what this teaching is made up of, what this father was taught by his father. If you look with me at Proverbs 3, 4, chapter 4, verses 3 through 9, I'll read these together to show us the substance of what was taught. It says, When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of, your mouth, of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. So we see the substance, or what this teaching, or what made up this teaching of the grandfather, or the father's father. First, we see the grandfather called the father to obey his words, as we see in Proverbs 4, 4. It says, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. So the fact that the grandfather called the father to obey and to follow his words showed this wasn't just the father who expected this of his son, but he was expected to do this as well. Second, as we think about the substance of what the grandfather taught the father, the grandfather connected his instruction with wisdom. If you look with me at Proverbs 4, verses 4 through 5, it says, He taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. And then it says in verse 5, we see the connection. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. So we see the grandfather literally calls his word, his commandment, his instruction, wisdom. And this is a key point because it shows us what the rest of chapters 1 through 9 show and that, that this isn't just wisdom made up by the father, made up by the grandfather, that this wasn't only their knowledge from living for a while, it wasn't their tricks and tips on life, but this wisdom is from God. 
This is seeking to live a life that is right in the eyes of the Lord. If you turn with me quick to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, that's a key verse in the book of Proverbs and a key verse for us understanding these words of the Father, these words of the Grandfather. Proverbs 9, verse 10, we see this wisdom's talked about. Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the Father is speaking of His words, He's speaking of His commands, His instruction to His children, and He's, connection, he's connecting them with this wisdom. This wisdom that starts with a fear of God, a trusting in God, a relationship with God, a respect of God. So when He corrects them, He's seeking to guide Him in a way that is following the Word of God. So lessons for fathers. Fathers should be challenged to think about what they're teaching their children, what they're passing on to them. And ultimately, we see here from the book of Proverbs, they should be guiding them, they should be directing them in the fear of the Lord, to follow the Lord. They should be teaching them the Word of God. And we saw this last week in the message. These messages connect similar themes, but as we considered Psalm 119, and even De Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, we saw how parents are used by God to teach children His Word. There's also a lesson for children here. Children, you should be challenged to listen to your parents as they have been given to you by God to teach you His Word. Third, as we think about the substance, the grandfather speaks of the value that should be put on wisdom. If you turn back to chapter 4, we see this in verses 7 through 8. We see the grandfather speaks of the value that should be put on wisdom. Proverbs 4, verses 7 through 8 say, The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. So three times wisdom and its value is spoken of. First it says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. So the grandfather is saying, as you start to look for wisdom, seek to obtain it. Be determined to get it. Do all you can to have wisdom. Second, wisdom's value is spoken of when it says, and whatever you get, get insight. Makes me think if you go to a restaurant and someone says, if you get anything, get, and then they mention something on the menu. The grandfather told the father to make sure you get insight. If you're going to get anything, make sure you get insight. If you're going to spend your time on anything, Make sure you at least spend it on learning to live rightly, learning how to live a godly life. And then thirdly, he says, prize her highly, meaning to esteem, to cherish, to look highly upon. He's telling his son, respect it, admire it, care for it, nurture it in your life. Some have compared how the grandfather spoke about wisdom to how one would speak or think of their wife. Which makes sense, as I said earlier, wisdom is personified as a woman in these chapters to teach about it. But here the point in all three of these phrases is that, the, is that wisdom, godly wisdom, living rightly, is stressed by the grandfather, or is stressed by the father's father, that he gets wisdom, that he values living rightly in the eyes of God. So lessons for fathers. Fathers are to follow the example of the grandfather with his son and seek to have their children value 
highly godly wisdom. He is to direct them and set up for them a home and a life that loves the Lord and His ways. That comes through teaching, but it also comes through just how they spend their time as a family, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, what they make a priority in their family. Lessons for children. Again, some of these same things were brought up last week as we thought about how can a young man keep his way pure. I said that you should be thankful for parents who have taught you the Word of God. Being thankful for a family and parents who brought you to church to hear the Word of God taught and preached. Maybe even if you didn't do certain things that other families did, certain things you thought would be fun, children value your parents' teaching. If they're passing on to you godly wisdom, seek to learn from it. And then lastly and fourthly, we see here, as we think about the substance of the grandfather's teaching, we see the grandfather showed the outcome of living in godly wisdom. If you look with me at verses 6 through 9, we see some of these outcomes. In verse 6, it says, Do not forsake her. And then it says, And she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. And then it says, we get one of these outcomes. It says, And she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. So he speaks of two things here that will result from this godly wisdom, from his teaching, from his commandments, and that's protection and that's respect. Protection we see in verse 6 as it says, and she will keep you. And then it says she will guard you. So the words of the father, the words of the grandfather, this godly wisdom will ultimately protect them from sin and wrongdoing, keeping them from the consequences of living a life apart from God. But we also see a second outcome, and that's respect. In verses 8 through 9, he speaks of being exalted and being honored, being given symbols, or even, yeah, be, being given symbols of honor. So lessons for fathers, this should be a motivation for you to be instructing and teaching your children in these ways, to have these intentional conversations with them about their relationship with the Lord, as it can keep them from a life of misery and of consequences from their sin, as these things can ultimately protect them from living in sin. Lessons for children, it can be easy to think your parents don't want you to have fun. It can be easy to think that they want you to have a miserable life, but if your parents are instructing you in godly wisdom, they are actually showing you great love and great care. They are seeking to keep you from sin, to keep you from going down a path that you will regret. Again, children, I would encourage you to be thankful, to show your appreciation for parents that have done exactly this. So we have seen the origin of the father's instruction, and underneath that, we've seen how the father relates to his son. He's been where he's at. And then also, in second, under these origins of the Father's teaching, we've seen the substance of what He had been taught by His Father. And now I want to just close with us thinking of the overarching theme of this passage as we think of it as a whole, and that is the legacy of a father. This father was guided and directed in godly wisdom. He was taught about God and how to live a life that follows God and His Word, and it impacted him. It didn't just impact him in that he followed it for his life, but he taught it to his son. He taught it to his children. 
It impacted him such a way that he passed it on. The grandfather left a legacy of godly wisdom. His father continues this and leaves a legacy of godly wisdom, which leaves us with the question, will the son, will the children being talked to in this passage, in the passages of chapters 1 through 8, leave a legacy of godly wisdom as well? We can ask our children out there, will you too leave a legacy of godly wisdom? I've challenged us to be thankful for parents, for fathers who were godly. That is an excellent thing to do. It's something that we should do. We should show appreciation for our fathers on this Father's Day. But I do want to say that they can't just be our hero, that they can't just be someone that we look up to, but they need to be a model to us. They need to be an example that we follow and do as they did or do as they do to teach our children as they taught us. We need to be concerned about passing on good, godly wisdom to our children as we've been taught. We need to seek to follow the example that was set for us. Just as we saw the grandfather gave to the father, who then gave to his son, it continues. One generation on to the next. The grandfather's legacy not only impacted his son, but it impacted future generations as well. It impacted many more people than just that son or just his sons. That is the importance of a father's legacy in leaving and passing on godly wisdom spoken spoken here in the book of Proverbs. So I want to just close with several questions for us to think about. Probably hit home with most of us. I want to leave us with several questions on this Father's Day. And the first one we just talked about, but it's good to reiterate it. What if you have a godly father? What if you have a godly father? What should you do? We're taught and challenged from this text to follow his example, to live as he lived, and to teach your children as he taught you his child. The second question might be irking in some of our minds. What if you don't have a godly father? What if you don't have a godly father? This passage presents to us a chain, one generation on to another generation, generation passing on the faith, teaching their children how to live for the Lord. What do we do if we don't have the father or the grandfather of Proverbs chapter 4? Simply we can say, the legacy begins with you. You can be the grandfather of Proverbs chapter 4, the beginning of the chain in your family. It's good to remember, though, as we think about this question, what do we do if we don't have a godly father? It's good to remember, as we learned last week, that all has not failed if we do not have parents that did not, if we did not have parents that taught us the word of God. That is but one way God teaches, though an important way, though a way that I believe that God intends for children to be taught. It's not the only way. Certainly, you can read and study the Word for yourself. You can learn God's Word from the teaching and the preaching of His Word. Even God places people in our lives that are examples to us that we aren't related to at all, who can be role models of a godly life. But to the question of, what if you don't have a godly father? My challenge to you is that the legacy begins with you. Be that godly father who passes on the faith to your son or daughter so that they might do the same with their children.
And then a last question. It's for the Father. What if you're sitting here listening to all this and are convicted by the Word of God? The question is, you are a father and realize you haven't been a godly father. You have not been like the father and the grandfather of Proverbs chapter 4. And my challenge, and I believe the challenge of this text, is that the legacy can begin now. Though you might have missed precious time and important moments, God is gracious, He is forgiving, and He can still use you in your children, your grandchildren's life. So fathers, children, parents in general, let's be challenged from the book of Proverbs to live lives that are honoring, lives that are pleasing to the Lord and godly wisdom. And I'd like to challenge us to think about your part in helping the next generation do the same. Let's just close in a word of prayer. God, I just thank you for your word. I just thank you for the wisdom that we find in your word. And Lord, we pray that ultimately we would have lives that would be doing exactly that, living in godly wisdom, living how your word, the Bible, commands us to live. Lord, as we thought about one of the ways that we are taught, one of the ways that we are challenged to follow your word, and often you use in our lives to bring us into a relationship with you, and that is our fathers. That's our parents. And God, I just pray that you would really be at work within our fathers today, that you would use them in the hearts and the lives of their children to teach them your word, to challenge them to follow it, to have some of these conversations about their life, about situations they're going through, and what it looks like to live by faith, how their relationship with you impacts their life. God, I just pray that you give our fathers boldness, pray that you would give them lives that really model your word. Lord, I pray for all parents, that you'd be at work within them and just help them in this this component of, of their parenting, of teaching what it looks like to live for you. God, I just pray for our children that they would be submissive to their parents, that they would listen, that they would obey and see the value of listening to their parents. I pray that you'd be at work in our families, that you'd be at work in all of our lives to ultimately live lives that are pleasing and honoring to you. In your name I pray. Amen.